Let's open our Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. We actually started this study last week in uh, looking at the Word of God, that it is the Word of God. Let's, uh, let's read verse 13 together. It says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we are humbled, and, and we humble ourselves before you, Lord, and pray that your word would speak to us and that your word would uh, uh, help us in all the areas that we so desperately need help in. Um, Father, we, we uh, thank you that you've given it to us, and we pray that our hearts would not take it for granted, that our hearts would be open and receptive to what you have for us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, again, was so thankful about the Thessalonians because they heard the, the word, they heard the scripture, and they, it says there that they heard it, they received it, and they accepted it. They heard it, they received it, they accepted it. But not just because it was the word of men, not just because Paul was such a good speaker, not because they thought they should, but they recognized something. They realized that this was God speaking. This was the words that were coming from God. They, they saw it, what it for what it was. It says there, as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. They saw that, and, and again, this is what we teach this is what we believe as as I'll quote again from our statement of faith on our website we believe that the scriptures of the old and new testaments are the word of god fully inspired without error in the original manuscripts and the infallible rule of faith and practice that this word this scripture that we have this what we call the bible the old and new testaments is inspired by god as we read in second timothy it is given from God. We saw in 2 Peter, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were moved by the Holy Spirit. These weren't just words. They weren't just stories that were made up, Peter says, invented stories by man. But God was speaking. And, and it's, it's so very important that, first of all, that we know what it is. And then that will affect how we look at it and how we listen to what it is. We talked as well about the biblical illiteracy that's, that's happening primarily, not just in the world, but, but the crisis is primarily in the church, the church at large, that this biblical illiteracy is, be, we're, we're, we're becoming less and less knowledgeable about what God's Word says. Why is that? Well, you know, we've, we've become such an entertainment-oriented society. We have to have a lot of entertainment. We, you know, the teaching time is like shrunk down to, you know, like a, just a few minutes and, and maybe we'll get something in there and we, be, we, we learn less and less. We know less and less. It's, it's to our own detriment, to our own uh, damage. My, uh, my thinking is that in terms of God's word, we need to know it, we need to love it, and then we need to obey it. And that's what Paul saw happening with the Thessalonians, that they saw it, that it was God's word, but they loved it and they were obeying it, they were following it. 
Notice it says there, as we pick up today where we left off, he says this is the word of God which is at work in you. That the word of God is actually working in you. We studied Philippians sometime back and it says there that, that God is doing a work in us. He says it actually twice in the book of Philippians. God has started a good work in you. And then later in Philippians 2, he says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God is doing a work in us, but part of the way that work is accomplished is through this book here. And, and you and I can say, well, you know, we can complain, well, God isn't doing anything in my life. God isn't working in me. You know, I hear, you know, Joe Schmo over there, and he's talking about what God's doing in his life, and and then I, you know, look at my life. Well, God's not doing anything in me. Let me say, well, it, it gets back to those basic things again. Well, you know, are you in the Word? Are you in fellowship? Are you in prayer? You know, are you together with other believers, breaking bread? Are you, do you, do you have those kinds of simple things? It always gets back to the basics. Do you have those simple things happening in your life? Now, I know we all go through dry periods where, you know, it, it, uh, it, just, it just happens. We go through dry periods, but, but that doesn't mean that, that uh, you know, we stop what we're doing. God is working in us, and God wants to work in us, and, and His Word is at work in you who believe, He says there in verse 13. Jesus, speaking to the Jews, He told them, in John chapter 5, he says, he says You're, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. He says, he told them, the word of God isn't in you. Now, these were people as well who were very religious. And he said, you know, you study the scriptures because you think that by them that something is going to happen. But, but there was something that was different in them. It was, for them, it was like an intellectual kind of study kind of thing. But... but the Thessalonians, they let the word of God get in them and it was working, it was working, doing this work in them. Big difference between the Thessalonians and the Pharisees, those religious leaders who, they knew some scripture, all right, but, but, but there's a difference between knowing scripture and letting scripture get inside and work inside of us. That's why it's said in, Thessal in, in Colossians, uh, Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. James says it as well. He said, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. God's word, it's got to get in us. So, so I like to get practical. I don't know about you, but... but, but how do we get the word in us? Well, this is what I do. I, 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 you know, I put this, I take this and I put this under my pillow. And then at night, it just kind of gets there, right? It's kind of an osmosis factor, right? Any of you know what I'm talking about? That's how it happens. You just, you lay on it and it kind of transmits right into you, Right? Not usually. <laughs> Some of you tried that probably. Or, you know, 
There's lots of other ways that we think, but, but how do we really get practical? I mean, it, it's not that difficult to figure out, right? It doesn't take, you know, a, a PhD to figure out to get the word in you. You have to, like, open it first. Number one, you've got to open it somehow. And when you're here, you, you open it up. And when you're at home, you've got to open it up, right? Let's get practical. What, in reality, and, and I'm, I'm not asking you to answer these questions out loud, but in reality, are you getting the word in you somehow, some way? Are you listening somewhere? Are you reading? Are you allowing God's word to get in you? That's a challenge. It's a big challenge. It's not always easy. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's not always easy. The, the Spirit of God, you know, uh, you know, if you're like me, you know, you love the Bible. I love the Bible. I want, I want to hear what God has to say. But my flesh is saying, you know what? I'm a little tired right now. You know what? I can't understand it. You know what? It's, it's too difficult to follow along with what's going on there. I, I really can't, I, I really can't uh, make the time. I don't have time. You know, all the things that happen in our lives. That's so busy. It's such, bu- such a busy life that we lead. I want you to turn with me to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is the first book in the section of history books. Remember we talked about the different sections, 512, 5512, and... The second section is what we call history. So you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then you have Joshua. Joshua. And Joshua was Moses' successor, right? We all know that. Joshua was Moses' successor. And, and this is what the Lord is saying. If you look in verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Joshua. So, so God is speaking to Joshua. And he says a bunch of things to them. He, he says in, in verse 5, As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We love to hear that from God. He says it not just to Joshua, but to us as well. Verse 6, Be strong and courageous. He says it again, verse 7, be strong and courageous. But look at verse 8. He says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? God is telling Moses telling Joshua that. God is telling us that as well. Listen, you want, you want to, to get on? You want to you wanna be prosperous? You want to be successful? He says, open the book. You've got to open the book. Don't let it depart from you. Usually, when, when people first become believers, we are taught that we need to like start reading the Bible. And sometimes what happens is we start that, we, you know, we read the Gospel of Matthew or maybe the Gospel of John, and then, and then maybe we stop because we don't know how to go any further. You know, there's lots of reasons, but, but and my, my purpose is not to make you feel guilty because you haven't read the Bible. 
But my purpose is to say, well, listen, what, what, what God wants us to do is, is, is make a start and, 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 and get into it and find out what he has to say and help each other to do that. My goal is to help you to do that, not to condemn you if you don't. We all have enough condemnation, right? We all have enough self-condemnation for lots of different things. You did this, you did that, I did this. I, I, you know, we battle that condemnation. Condemnation doesn't, isn't going to help us do what, we, what we're talking about here today. As you'll see at the end, though, it's, it's knowing the author that's going to make a difference. Knowing the author makes us want to read what the author has to say. The person that we're in love with, that loves us and we love him. Psalm 119, he says, I've hidden your word. Where? In my heart, that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we, we take those the, the scripture, we we bring them in. Let's look at one more verse about this, Psalm 1. How about Psalm 1? Psalm 1, just look to about the middle of the Bible and you'll find the Psalms there. Um, Psalms is, the, is, is in that category uh, of the section of the Bible, which is what? Who can tell me? Poetry, exactly, good. And it's the second, there's five books of poetry, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and what's the fifth one? Song of Solomon, right. Five, that's, that's the, uh, the five we're talking about. Look, but look at Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is where? In the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Same thing that we read in Joshua, right? Whatever he does prospers. He's like a tree. I want to be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. I want to be like that. But the, but the prescription that he gives us here, the psalmist says it's it's delighting in the law of the Lord. It's not, it's not a burden, it's a delight. He delights. He delights in the law of the Lord. He delights to, to think about what God has to say. So how do we do it? How do we do it? <clears throat> Every person is different. Some people, how many of you are mourning people? How many of you are night people, night owls? Gosh, more of you are night owls. Don't call me. <laughs> I am not a night owl. I'm a morning person, usually, or middle of the night person. Don't call me then either. We have to understand who we are. Each one of us is different. When, for me... Can I find some time that I can get quiet to be still before God and, and maybe uh, 15 minutes, half an hour? Take some time and just get alone and, 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 and not have the distractions of all the stuff going on. When, when is the best time? You've got to think about this. It doesn't just happen automatically. You've got to think about it. Well, when, when is that a good time for me? 
I tell you, I, you know, sometimes I try to read at night and, and immediately I, I, I'm falling asleep. Can't do it at night for me. But for me personally, you know, the morning has always been the better time for me. You know, in the morning before I get involved in other things, but lately as I've gotten older and I don't sleep quite as well, some of you that are older understand what that's like. For me lately, and it's been kind of up and down, it's, it might be in the middle of the night. I'm just wide awake. I just can't sleep. I can't. So, so instead of just laying there, you know how you wake up? Well, maybe you've got to go to the bathroom, okay? And then you wake up, and then, you're, and then your mind starts going like this, Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? In the middle of the night, your mind starts going. And, and instead of just going through all those kinds of things, maybe for me, I found I, I, I can go and I can, I have to go somewhere else because my wife doesn't like me turning the light on. I don't know what the problem is with that. So I go somewhere else and I got a little flashlight and, and, and uh, so I'll, I'll go do that, but, but, you know, I try not to do it like, you know, it's better for me if I just do it in the, earlier in the morning, but not, you know, in the middle of the night. But if that's what works, that's what works. You've got to find what works for you. And then you find this place, you find this time, you find, you know, you have your, your Bible, a Bible that you can understand, a version that you can understand. And you just, you just read maybe a chapter or maybe even half a chapter, and you look at it, what does it say? And what does it mean? I recommend starting in the New Testament. It's, and, and even then, when I say that, I have to add a little proviso because the New Testament, you starts off with a whole bunch of genealogy, and you start that, and you go, oh, man, he said start in the New Testament, and I can't even get through this. Well, you can kind of skim through certain parts that are like that. You know, you know what it's all about. The, the Jews were all about genealogy, and that's important. And, you know, but but to, it's more important that we keep going, that we don't just stop. Some of you, this is like, man, that's like kindergarten stuff for me. But you know what? What I have found, what I, what I have seen to be true, is that it's not kindergarten for most of us. We all kind of need to be helped along this path. Is that true? So you, so you find a little place, and you get to that place, and, and just don't try, to, don't try to, I'm going to, you know, we, we, get, we get all fired up sometimes. I'm going to read the whole Bible, you know, today. <laughs> like, don't be ridiculous. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read ten chapters. You know, and then you don't, and then you just, you give up. Eventually, if, you know, if you bite off more than you can chew, you're just going to end up giving up. Fifteen minutes. Can you take fifteen minutes? Can you get along with God for fifteen minutes? To delight, as it says here in Psalm 1. His delight is in the law of the Lord. To delight in it. Psalm 119 says, I delight in your commands because I love them. Again, to know the Word of God, to love it, and then to obey it. This morning, I'm, what, what I do, you know, it's no secret, what I do is I, I have a marker in the New Testament and I have a marker in the Old Testament. And, and today I'll read in the Old Testament, tomorrow I'll read in the New Testament. And I just go back and forth. 
Sometimes I'll vary that a little bit, but, or maybe sometimes I'll, I, I just got to go read something else because I need to go read that. And I'll go do that, but typically that's what, that's what I'll do. And so today, uh, for example, today, turn to Psalm 50. I'm in the Psalms right now, Psalm 50. And I, I told you last week, it, you know, I do about a chapter or so a day depending on the, on the, on the uh, content and, and, and maybe even break it up a little bit if it's a very, very long chapter. But Psalm 50, and I, you know, Psalm 50, you know, I've read it before many times, but it's like, I don't know what Psalm 50 has in it. It's not like Psalm 23. You, you all know Psalm 23 starts out with, right, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, there's certain passages we know about, but Psalm 50, I, 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 you know, I've read it many times, but I don't know what's there. And, and do I say, well, I've already read that before. I've heard that line. You know, I've read the Bible. Yeah, I already read it all. Oh, really? You got it memorized now or are you, you know it all or have you heard everything that God wants to say to you? Have you? Do you have it in you? I read the Bible once. I've got it down. I'm good. You're not so good. But I read this, um, Psalm 50, and, and um, I, I'm having trouble finding where I was reading because this isn't the Bible I have at home. And the Bible I have, I have at home, I have, you know, marks and different things in there and maybe a, little, maybe a date or maybe just something underlined or maybe something that I can go back to. So, so you know how you, when you, like, read someone else's Bible, you go, like, I can't find anything here, even though it's the same Bible and, and, and everything. But I looked at this, and look at Psalm 50, verse 1. It says, The Mighty One, the God, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before Him, and around Him... A tempest rages. Some interesting things in there. He talks to his people of Israel, and then later he talks to people who, who are not believers, who are not his people. But what stuck, what stuck out to me is verse 14, sacrifice, thanks offer, sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. And then, and then he says this, the same thing at the end. He who, verse 23, he who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and he prepares the way that I may show him the salvation of God. So I read that whole chapter and I read it and I looked at it. I looked over it and I'm reading and I'm thinking, well, you know, what... What, what really stuck out to me was this idea of thank offerings. Because my mind is still going all insane. Four o'clock in the morning. And so, so later when I went back to bed, you know, I, I, that's what stuck out to me. Sacrifice thank offerings to God. And so I just began to be thank. I just began to rehearse in my mind the things I was thankful for. And I just began to say thank you. Notice he says sacrifice. That means, you know, it, it, it's something you have to maybe sacrifice a little bit. And so for me, that meant that I need to even be thankful for the things that I was not thankful for. The bad things even. To be thankful for everything. Thankful for my enemies. 
thankful for, you know, the, the difficult things in life, as well as being thankful for the, that God has blessed me so much. And, I, and just to begin to, to, to go through the list of these different things that I'm thankful for, good and bad. And, you know, peace began to come. Peace began to come into my heart. But I would not have been directed, all that to say, I would not have been directed that way if I had not opened up the book, right? How would I have known? I had, I had to open the book. Now, does that happen every day? It doesn't happen every day. Some days I just read and I go, okay, cool. I remember hearing uh, uh, Chuck Smith's, uh, you know, right-hand man talk about, you know, he just reads the Bible every day and he said, you know, some days I can't even remember later what I even read. But I know I'm supposed to be there and, 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 and God gets it. He can't get it in us unless we get in it. Right? Not every day do I hear the voice of God. The truth is, and I, I remember hearing a song on the radio about this, you know, that, that sometimes, sometimes it's when we're really, really going through the toughest times that, you, that, that God's word really kind of just, it, it's like you see something there that you never saw on the page before. Because you're going through it and you're like you're having the worst time of your life. And, and I think, I think probably, you know, I have a speculation about it. I think it's probably because we're listening a little better. Because, man, we're hurting. And we're, we're, we're really kind of tuning in. God, if you really, you know, you know want to speak to me, now would be a good time. Because I'm having this trial and I can't seem to get through this on my own. Sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's a simple thing, isn't it? Psalm 51, I'll read that in a couple of days. And... That's the psalm of, of uh, David after he had been caught in his sin with Bathsheba. And it's his, his uh, prayer of repentance. It's a good one to know where it is. We all need to repent at different times. This book, again, 15 minutes. 15 minutes will change your life. Will it change your life every single day? No. Will it change your life over the long run? Yes, it will. I, I can guarantee that. Because it's God's word. Because it's powerful. It, it's effective. It, is, it gets into the very depths of us like we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It is uh, inspired by God. It is his word. One thing I want to say about it is that we can trust it. And you can do a whole study. There's a whole study about that, about the Bible, and we can trust it. But just, just the idea that it's 66 books written by 40 authors over 1,500 years, and yet it all comes together. The unity of the Bible, the unity of the Scripture. It blows my mind sometimes when I read something and I think of some part and some other part, and I go like, wow, how did they, how did they work that together? Somebody from way over here and hundreds of years removed from this person, and yet they're saying the exact same thing. That's like, that blows my mind. Because as I said last week, it was superintended by God. It was inspired by God. It was given by God. And it, of course, God doesn't contradict himself. Get practical, people. 
That's what we got to do. And, and, and I have to stay on myself too. I remember at one of our huddles in, uh, in New Hampshire where we had Lloyd Pulley from uh, Calvary Chapel in, Lo- in, in Old Bridge, uh, New Jersey come up. And one of the things he said, he said, you know, and he, he has a church of thousands of people. He said, you know, for me, he said that I would have this time with God. He said, for me, he says, it's non-negotiable non-negotiable that he said there, if every, everything else is negotiable but this is a non-negotiable in my life that I need to, to take this time and get with God it's not something we hear so often but it's something that we need so desperately let's turn to John chapter 8 John chapter 8 We know God's word. We love it. We obey it. James says, don't merely listen to the word, but, and so deceive yourselves, but he says, do what it says. We need to do what God's word says as well. And he says, but by doing it, we'll be blessed in what we do. But this verse here, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, uh, I come to and I think about when it, when it comes to God's uh, word, he says in verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We all can quote For the most part, right, verse 32, we can say you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, how do you know the truth? He says, if you hold to my teaching. Some versions uh, say, if you abide in my word. Abide, kind of find your living in the word, in his word. If you abide in his word, he says, you are really my disciples. And, and, And you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to be set free. I don't know about you. We all have stuff we need to be set free from. We're all got stuff that we're fighting against. How are we going to find that victory? He says, get in the word. You'll know the truth. Live in it. Let it live in you. Jesus talked about the parable of the sower. And uh, he talks about different kinds of soil, right? And the, the sower would spread the, the seed, right? And Jesus explains it. And he says that the seed is what? Is the word of God. And he said, some people were like this hard path. And other people were like ground that had a lot of rocks in it. Other people, there, were, there, was, there was soil there, but there was a lot of thorns, a lot of these other plants that were growing. And then he said there was, good, there was good soil. And then he went and he explained it to us again. Let's look at Luke, back one uh, book to Luke chapter 8. And he'll give us his explanation. Luke chapter 8 and verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And those along the path are the ones who hear. 
And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. And they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature. Matthew says they're unfruitful. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. The seed is the word of God. I want to be, I want to be the last one, don't you? Hears the word, retains it, and perseveres. And through that, produces a crop. Good stuff comes out. I read this story about something that happened in Georgia uh, quite a number of years back, but and, and it, it would be even scarier today. But at a at a uh, welcome stop along the highway, um, there was a package that was like left on a table at this rest stop, and so they didn't know what it was and. And uh, the rest stop employees, of course, they contacted the police. They shut the place down. They brought in the, the bomb squad and everything else. And, and they fired, you know, the bomb squad, they fired this water cannon at it and, and all this stuff to, to, to immobilize it. And it says that, that when the bomb squad opened the wrapped package, they were a bit embarrassed to find a Bible. And authorities said the package was apparently left for someone curious to find. And a note inside said that since the person opening it took the chance to open it, they should take a chance on God. I don't recommend doing this. You're probably going to ruin and spoil a lot of Bibles. But this person who wrote this said that God has given us a precious gift, His Word, and we need to take a chance and pay attention to it and open it up. An English preacher in the 1800s, he said, the word of God will stand a thousand readings. And he who has gone over it most frequently is the surest of finding new wonders there. You know, the, I, I was, you know, I, my, in the New Testament, I'm in Matthew, and right, and I'm reading, and I've read it before so many times where Jesus is walking on the water, and he says to Peter, come. And I said, you know what? I've read that a bunch of times, but you know what? I'm going to look at it. I'm going to see, is there something new? Is there something fresh? Sometimes we need to learn, we need to know the thing over and over before we actually get it, right? And I just started to think about it, and, and it, it's, it's such an incredible thing where, where you know, Peter, Peter, we, we, we're studying, we, we looked at the shield of faith, uh, in Ephesians on Wednesday night. And, and Peter, you know, he, he kind of let down his shield of faith and he began to sink, right? And, and Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? Ronald Reagan said this. You all know who Ronald Reagan is, right? Okay, I don't need to tell you who he is. He said, of the many influences that have shaped the United States into a distinctive nation and people. 
none may be said to be more fundamental and, and enduring than the Bible. Of the many influences that have shaped the United States into a distinct nation and people, none may be said to be more fundamental and enduring than the Bible. You don't hear that much anymore. You don't hear that today. You lost something here. No? Okay. How many of you know who Cecil... I, I don't... It's not... doesn't sound like it's coming out. Okay. How many of you heard of Cecil B. DeMille? Anybody know who Cecil B. DeMille is? He, he you know, he made big movies. Big. <laughs> big. <laughs> he made those big classic movies. But listen what he said. This will blow your mind. He said, after more than 60 years of almost daily reading of the Bible... He says, I never fail to find it always new and marvelously in tune with the changing needs of every day. That's incredible. After 60 years, he says, you know what? I, there's always something new there. And, and not only that, but it keeps up with my life. It's in tune with the changing needs of every day. It keeps up. It, it, it's kind of there. I don't know how many times, and, and uh, you know, I'm... I, I confess I'm not one of these people who keep like a journal. I wish I had the discipline to do that, and some of you do that perhaps, and it's probably a good thing, and I should have done it. I should have. The condemnation's coming right now. But how many times in my life when I'm going through something and, and just coincidentally that passage that I happen to be in has something that speaks directly to what I'm facing that day? Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, when, when, when you're going through something and you take your Bible and you just kind of, you know, flip it like this and you take your finger and look down there. As charcoal to embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Well, that might work sometimes. I know people have done that and it works. <laughs> but I'm talking about when it's just your normal, where you seem to be, where you are in your daily reading it's it's just it blows my mind it's happened it's happened too many times charles colson y'all know who he is some of you know who he is he he was a assistant to the president who then went to jail and started the ministry prison fellowship he was with president nixon and he became a believer but he says this, he says, The Bible banned, burned, beloved, more widely read, more frequently attacked than any other book in history. He said, Generations of intellectuals have been tempted to discredit it. Dictators of every age have outlawed it and executed those who read it. Yet soldiers carry it into battle, believing it more powerful than their weapons. Fragments of it smuggled into solitary prison cells have transformed ruthless killers into gentle saints. The power of the Bible, the power of God's Word. The enemy doesn't like it. Ephesians, again, talks about it, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We, we could do spiritual battle with it, the Word of God. 
How many of you heard of uh, Sir Walter Scott? Any of you heard of him? He wrote a bunch of novels. He's a, a Scottish uh, writer. He wrote that, that phrase we know, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And, and other books he wrote, you know, Ivanhoe and The Lady of the Lake and different books I, that I don't know, but you might recognize them. But it's so interesting. He's this incredible historian. He's a poet. He's a novelist. He's all these things. It says that when he was dying, he turned to his friend and who would later write his life story. And he said to him, will you read to me from the book? And his friend, who was also his son-in-law, he said, you know, he's wondering. The guy has a huge library. He's got, you know, all these books. He's written all these books. He said, which book? And his reply was, which book? There is but one book. He says, the Bible. Which book? He says, so the dying author was comforted and encouraged by what God had to say to him from the most wonderful of all books. Why is it the best seller of all time? Why is it so important? A.W. Tozer says this, The Holy Scriptures tell us what we could never learn any other way. They tell us what we are, who we are, and how we got here, why we are here, and what we are required to do while we remain here. God's Word. I'll close with this last story. There was a, a young lady who read a book, and she read it, and she it wasn't the Bible, it was another book. And she, she said that it was the dullest book that she had read. In her, you know, kind of the dullest book I ever read kind of thing. I mean, you know, you read a book sometimes, you go like, that was dull. And it says not long after this, she met a young man and, you know, they became friendly and then they fell in love and they, they got engaged, Right? And so he was visiting at her home, the home of his fiance now. And she said to him one evening, she said, you know, I have a book in my library, which was written by a man whose name and even initials are the same as yours. Isn't that a coincidence? He says, he says, I don't think so. He says, she says, why not? He says, because I wrote that book. Right? <laughs> and so... She had a different picture after that, right? And it says that she, she sat up until the early morning hours to read that book again. And when it was completed, it seemed to her that the most interesting book she had ever read. It wasn't dull at all. She found it fascinating. The secret, she knew and loved the author. The secret, she knew and loved the author. That's what made the difference. This, if, if you know that this is God's book and that God wants to speak and that God loves you and you love him, it, it, it's a different. If you read something that you have no connection to, like, oh, that's dull, that's boring, that's hard. But when you have a relationship with God and, and this is his book, this is his love letter to you and me, this is the owner's manual for us. It says you will enjoy the greatest of all books, the Bible. God's word if you love the author. So, 
The Thessalonians, they saw it for what it really was, what it actually is, the Word of God, God's Word to you and to me. That's why we're going to keep teaching it, right? If you come here and I start giving you all kinds of, you know, poems and stories and videos and not that those things are all bad, but if that's all you get, go find another church. Go find a place where they're going to open the book and they're going to help you understand the book. God has given to the church, he says, teachers that will help us to understand. Back in, in the day of Ezra and Nehemiah, it says they, they, they opened the book and, they, and they, they got up there and they helped them to understand. They gave them the sense of what it meant. And, and that's what, what I am supposed to do. That's what people who teach the Bible are supposed to do because we all have trouble. And I need to hear teaching so that I'm you know, strengthened and fed and, and, ha- and have a better understanding. That's what you and I all need. But we've got to help each other to do it. But it's not a bomb, okay? It's not going to blow up on you. But you need to open up that package and, and take it and, and give God a chance and let him see what he'll do with you and your life, his book. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you gave us this book, this, the book that is above all other books. The book that shows us the way to be saved, the way to find uh, eternal life through your Son, Jesus, from beginning to end. It points in that one direction. And yet it also shows us how to live, what life is all about, the meaning of life. Helps us navigate this, this, this uh, difficult course, this difficult journey, this difficult voyage that we're on in this life. Your word will help us each and every day. It keeps up with us. Father, I pray that you'd help each one of us just to find that place in our heart to listen to you some way, somehow. Pray that we'd help one another to, to get into the book and, and let the book get into us that it might do that work that it, that it and only it can do by your Spirit. Father, thank you again for this day, and I pray for any this morning who don't know Jesus as their Lord, as their Savior, that, that now is a good time, now is a good opportunity to open your heart to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and the Bible declares him to be the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but through him. The Bible shows us that. The Bible makes it clear. So if that's you this morning, you need Jesus Christ to have eternal life. And all you need to do is open your heart and life to him and believe and receive. Jesus Christ is your Lord, as your Savior. Turn your heart to him. Confess that you're lost, that you're a sinner, that you need him in your life and simply let him in and he will do amazing amazing things let's pray right now i'll I'll help you and just say lord jesus i i come and i open my life to you please come in please come in and forgive me wash me make me new and 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 god uh, help me in this life to get to heaven Help me through this life so that one day, because of what Jesus, what you did, I'll I'll be with you forever and ever in heaven by trusting you.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more time, shall we?